Welcome back, everyone. It's Monday, start of a new week, but we got to go back to the weekend to give you guys the recap of everything that just took place. A little Eagle FC, a little UFC, the goodies, the baddies, and everything in between. The man on my right, my co-host, my brother-in-arms, Dominic Salee. How are you feeling on this Monday morning? Are you are you bushy-tailed and bright-eyed, or are you still feeling a little bit of the blues from a absolute betting disaster that took place on Saturday? Oh, um, it's the latter. I'm feeling the betting blues big time on this Sunday morning as we record. Hopefully, I'm feeling better on Monday when our audience is listening and watching this show. Uh, but yeah, it was a good weekend nonetheless, betting aside, which we'll talk about at the end of the show. Uh, good company, good fights to watch. Uh, was in Columbus for a little bit on Friday night into Saturday. Did some bowling uh, for the first time in a long time. Uh, I know, no, I believe in our first attempt at recording this episode, you said we have discussed bowling once before on this show, right? So we have. It was on one of our Reddit roundtables. Uh, this is one of those few instances in our in our show's history. You guys won't probably be privy to this, but me and Dominic, since we are such a partnership here, so in sync, uh, it was one of the few times that Dominic kind of uh, deadweighted me in a, in a, in a question, in a, in a segment. He became very uncomfortable with the notion of going on a date with a UFC fighter, oh, yeah. okay. as the question suggested. And uh, because of that, he sort of just wouldn't allow, he wouldn't give me a straight answer. He kind of just made me look like a creep, but that's okay. He did it because, hey, he he knew that, look, he's, his girlfriend now, he, he, was, he was crushing on her then, didn't want her to think that he was looking at some of these fighters that he watches on TV like that, you know? course man yeah i forgot about that we did discuss bowling then so funny enough here we are again 207 i did some bowling on friday night first time in a long time and i did pretty good so i just want to know if anybody's watching listening are you guys good at bowling do you go quite often is it still a thing that people go do on the weekends you know it seems like something that's died down a little but i have a good time out there at the lanes i think dominic as as we get older like well even over the next few years it can become a popular thing again because a lot of the groups that go bowling at our age there's a lot of drinking involved <clears throat> sometimes bowling alleys will have like a, somebody some little concert or something i mean i'm not even trying to focus on jd legend bowling <laughs> yeah. alley yeah close to us that would hold big ass concerts in their sand volleyball pit yeah but um, you know they might have like a little you know, singer or two or something, um, or maybe some open mic or something. It always feels like there's something going on on the weekend. Right. right? So I, I've, I have heard of groups of people going and just drinking a ton of beer and bowling. And yeah. So I guess it's something, it's not something I've done in a long time. I can tell you, I'm not very good at bowling, <laughs> especially if you take the, the, what do you call them? The, Bumper, wait, what all the bumpers, it? yeah, the bumpers. Yeah, you take yeah. the bumpers off, yeah, I, I, yeah. You know, like adults do, yeah. I tend not yeah. to be very good when that happens. Uh, I don't even right. know the last time I've been bowling was. I mean, maybe wee bowling. I probably did that more recently. Ooh, now that's bowling. fun. Yeah, but you did pretty good. No bumpers. Yeah, no bumpers. I did really well. I had probably, honestly, one of the best scores of my life. I don't know people out there that are good at. Bowling might make fun of me, but I had a 161 in the first game, which 
felt good to me. So three hundred is the max. Perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's perfect game. So. Well, I guess you're not that good, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad to see you had a good weekend, Dominic, and hitting up C bus and whatnot. And um, a lot of bad weather, man. Just a lot of yeah. rain. You know, I was trying to go out to the horse track in Louisville, <laughs> but then it was storming all day. I was like, well, I'm probably not going to go. And honestly, yeah. I probably didn't. I really was kind of not feeling it. Uh, when it was coming up, so it was kind of a blessing in disguise, I think, that I didn't drive out there. But uh, maybe next weekend, you know, I gotta still want to go out there and test it out for everybody. no fights. You know, maybe this might be the one. That's this true. Is the calling, that's true. I there think. Is no, no fights next week, and it feels like that's the proper weekend to give it its due. You know? That's right. But we do have fights to talk about from this past weekend, and Dominic. It starts with UFC Vegas insert number here. Um, <laughs> And our main event, Ketlin Vieira gets the biggest one of her career, gets a split decision nod over the legend Holly Holm. A uh, lot to go over here. And I really sh- don't know where to start, Dominic. I think we should probably start with the fight itself, right? We'll just start with the fight. Fair. Yeah. Um, coming into this fight, Holly Holm, question was, 40 years old. Yep. Almost a two-year layoff. How is she going to look? How is she going to look noticeably slower? Is she going to look just as good as she did against Irene Aldana? Mm-hmm. While on the reverse end for Ketlin Vieira, not a ton of questions going in here because we had just seen Ketlin fight in the main event against Misha Tate, went five rounds yep. back in November, December, something and like that. It was a pretty sloppy stand up. Fight for five rounds. Ketlin, a big girl for this division, carries a good power, but kind of a sloppy puncher. Really good judo, good jujitsu, but um, you know, it just seems like there's a lot of holes in her game. So it seemed like kind of an inevitable result here that Holly Holm, as long as yeah. she was still Holly Holm, that we kind of know and recognize, would probably get the win here. But that didn't happen. Didn't quite happen that way. So. Your take. What was kind of your big takeaways from this fight when you were watching it? And of course, I mean, we kind of have to address it, I guess, right off the bat. The scoring controversy here. A lot of people split on this fight. Uh, as far as the media scorecards, I think out of the like twenty scorecards that were submitted, I think only two had yeah, uh, Vieira getting the win. Um, the same amount of people who had it four to one in favor of Holmes. So that just shows you like. This was a heavy home, like, yeah. scorecards. Your personal scorecard for the fight, Dominic. Now, we did have betting bias, both of us, so take it with a grain of salt. But <laughs> your personal scorecards and then your big takeaways from what we saw on, on Saturday. Yeah, so I feel like I'm just going to start with takeaways first because I feel like the scorecards are going to be the bulk of the discussion to at least finish it. Um they brought it up even on the broadcast, the question you posed, right? How is Holly going to look? 40 years old, long layoff, right? All that jazz. She looked slower. She looked slower than the Irene Aldana fight. But that fight was probably the best she's ever looked outside of the Ronda Rousey fight that I've said a couple of times now. So, you know, when you're trying to compare it to that, it's like, oh, well, that was the best Holly we've seen, basically. Um, so, yes, yeah, she looked a little slower, but she was Holly doing what Holly does. Um, you know, four or five punch combinations in and out, moving on her bicycle a ton. Uh, the side kicks to the body that she's always been so good at were landing again. A couple front kicks up the middle. 
Um, a lot of clinch work from Holly. Uh, holding Ketlin up against the fence, it showed how strong she still is because Ketlin looked like the bigger fighter. Holly's always been strong and shredded, but Ketlin just looked a lot bigger in the cage last night. Mm-hmm. But Holly held her on, uh, held her all, had nearly 11 minutes of control time up against the fence. Uh, wasn't landing anything crazy powerful, but doing enough to keep the ref from splitting them up, landing good shots, knees, so on and so forth. Ketlin, when she lands in the open space, she has power. Like, it's clear. Her shots mm-hmm. do make an impact, but she doesn't let it go. Her corner was screaming at her to just go. More volume just hit Holly, and they're landing and affecting her. Um, and that's how she's been kind of her whole career, even when she does win fights. Even in the uh, Misha Tate fights, much of the same. When she would land against Misha, Misha's face was beat all to hell. But she wouldn't go as much as you would like if you're in her corner. So... Although she wins this fight, there's controversy on the scorecards, controversy in the community. So, yeah, she gets the biggest one of her career. She's on a win streak. She's going to be top three after this come Tuesday. I just don't have much, like, great takeaways for Ketlin Vieira. And that is, you know, that annoys me to say that because I'd like to see this full potential that she could reach. And then just quickly, because I'm just going to transition you, I scored it 4-1 to for Holly Holm. So you're not gonna say it. You're not gonna. You're not gonna call it what you. I'm not. I'm not gonna do it. So I wanted to, and I. I'm guys, just setting I, you up. I figured you might want to address because I know you. I just yeah. wanted to see if you wanted to address. That. I feel like I was just talking a lot, but I'll, I'll I'll go in a little bit more on the cards. We'll just have long winded on both sides. Yeah, here. no, it's fine. It's fine. Um. So I scored it four to one, but at a minimum, I felt it should be three to two. I had a hard time. Picking a third round to score for Ketlin Vieira. So here's the scorecards. I screenshotted this. I sc- Guys, I went through and read the rule book on scoring for MMA last night and everything. It was a crazy night for me after the- these fights ended. So the two judges that gave it to Ketlin gave Holly rounds one and five and gave Ketlin two through four, two, three, and four. And then, <laughs> funny enough, Saudi Amato was the guy that scored the fight yeah, for Holly Holm. So he kind of won back some people's hearts a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's always, I always feel weird whenever these, these kind of things come up and the judge who's in agreement with us is Saudi Amato or yeah. Chris Lee or something. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh boy. Yeah. And uh, he scored one, three and five for Holly. Um, I scored one, three, four and five for Holly. Four was the round to me that felt like, the, that's the toss-up. I even texted that in the group chat when it ended. That's the round that could, you know, that's an iffy one. And then Holly came on strong in the fifth. Um, but, yeah, when it came down to round number three, that's what surprised me, and that's why I went back and watched that round. I read all the scoring criteria. Holly had about two and a half minutes of control time. Ketlin landed a few good shots. She had one good right hook to finish the round, but it didn't feel like she won that round. So for that to be the toss-up was weird because round four felt that way to me. But then you look at round four, well, Holly had a knockdown technically in that round with the body kick that put Ketlin on her butt, plus more back and forth on the striking. So I'd love to know what you guys scored it. Let us know in the comments on social media, whatever the case. Again, I scored it four to one, felt it should be a minimum three, two. I don't want to say the word robbery because I hate when people do that. But this one is about as close as I'll get Mm -hmm. to saying the word. Okay, I just wanted to see if you were going to, after yeah. sleeping on it, I figured yeah. you might, usually, you know, 
were already got to simmer down. High in the yeah. movement, yeah. yeah. Even then, you still, even in the group, he still didn't call it a robbery, people. He just yeah. said, like, I, it was actually one of our other buddies who said that. And yeah. Tom just, all he said was, he's like, I, I don't want to say it, but it's, yeah. it was close, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so this fight, man, it, kind of a stinker of a fight, truthfully. Um, I didn't expect a ton going into this. You know, Holly Holm is a is a great fighter, mm-hmm. but and Kellen Vieira is very good as well. But I just didn't expect these styles to clash in the best way. Right. This isn't really the way I thought this fight was going to go. Truthfully, um, very surprised by how the fight sort of ended up. Not just because Holly Holm lost. You could have convinced me that it'd be a very close fight. Yeah. But um, I didn't expect, when they were at range, when they were at striking range, that Kelvin Vieira seemed to get the better of those exchanges. I mean, mm-hmm. Holly Holm is an, is an incredible boxer, but Dominic, she looked slower. Yeah. She had no power in her shots at all. I mean, Dominic, I don't think she landed one shot that even dazed, even wobbled. Or, yes, well, I guess you're right. The one uh, sidekick did knock yeah. down Catelyn Vieira. But outside of that, I didn't see another shot in this whole fight that stunned, wobbled, right. hurt Catelyn Vieira. They all just seemed to kind of, it was more just volume peppering her with shots. And, and that's fine. But ultimately, when it comes to this, the criteria of damage, everything Catelyn Vieira hit Holly Holm with that felt like was hurting her. Now, there is an argument about what you're saying. She's not throwing a lot, though, and she really yeah. wasn't. I mean, she. it seemed like she had a really hard time with Holly's clinch control. I mean, mm-hmm. she, couldn't, she couldn't get the better positioning there. Um, so she would get held up on the fence for, like, I mean, over half of rounds at yeah. points. And, and couldn't really get off much of her own besides a few knees to the body, which in, like, round four, I think, was when she landed, like, really good knees to the body. Um. Truthfully, this fight was so dull to me, so just bleh, that I don't even care about the scoring all that much. Like, to me, neither of these women come out looking better no. than they did going in. No. And it's such a shame for Kellen Vieira because she's now beaten two, I would, yep. say, I would say, I would call them legends of women's yep. MMA back-to-back, Misha Tate and Holly Holm. And I'm not sure if I can say that she's come out looking better after those two fights like well no if you I remember mean, i struggled giving her the fight against misha even yeah you did you know yeah i didn't struggle to give her that fight i thought she did win that fight but yeah again that was another fight though where i thought neither girl won it's like it was a sloppy exactly. stand-up fight neither woman looked like i i didn't have much faith in them to do anything after that have much of a run in for Misha Tate dropping a weight class after that. That's probably a good move on her part. Um, here, like, I get it. There's a lot of controversy, and I think that there is a – I think there's a point to the controversy. Like, I, when I was watching it, I thought Holly Holm had won the fight. I also have a yeah. betting bias. So, I mean, I just uh, – I put that out there because that means you got to take what I say with a grain of salt. But I did have a 3-2 Holly Holm. Um, I had a 2-2 going into the fifth. I thought Holly did enough in that fifth round to win. But to me, it just doesn't matter because neither of these women really gave me the performance of what this fight should have been. This fight should have been two women fighting for the chance 
to fight the winner potentially yep. Pena Nunez. And exactly. instead, that's not what we got at all. And I'm not saying that they didn't try or anything like that. I just think Kellen Vieira is still severely limited. She's very good at where she's very good at. She's a tough matchup for a lot of fighters because she's so long and big in this division. That, and she does carry good power, but it's sloppy. Like there's just yep. there's no technique to the bunches. And with Holly Holm, Dom, I, I hate to say it, but. I think she's. I think she's done. I mean, forty years old. Like this was not a good look for her, in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. it just wasn't. Even if she got the win here, I mean, even when she was going for those like combinations, I mean, they they were like rabbit punch. There was nothing behind them, nothing yeah. at all. And then she had a hard time getting out of range or getting out. You know, used to she was so good about getting in, peppering with a few yep. combinations and getting out. Yep. Here, the speed wasn't there. Um, there was just a lot lost from that Irene Aldana fight. And yes, maybe it's just the matchup, but can we stop putting Holly Holm in main events? I think, can we stop doing that now after this? I mean, it feels like for years now, we keep putting her in main events where it's like, maybe she shouldn't be in the main event. And mm-hmm. I'm not, there's no disrespect to Holly Holm. If anything, I think it just puts, it just adds more pressure on her when really at this point, she should just be allowed to kind of, Right. Fight out the rest of her years as she wants to. But we keep putting her in these main events where they're like, all right, Holly, go out there and do what you did to Rhonda. And like, she's yeah. just not that. She's not that anymore. She's not right. That. Yeah. So, truthfully, like, I guess if we want to transition Dom into what's next for these two, it's kind of a hard discussion to even have. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we do these, like, okay, what's next? And we're doing it the day after the fight takes place. It's kind of understood. We're we're sort of talking out our ass a little bit because so much will change. I remember how much we advocated just the two weeks ago for Michael Chandler versus Conor McGregor. Yeah. And now, I mean, I don't know about you, but I have no. I don't now. Like I feel like the Michael Chandler Dustin Poirier fight seems to make a lot of sense. Like you know, it just it changes so much that. When yeah. we do this the day after the fight, like it's kind of talking out our ass, but it's it's fun. It's fun to do. It's fun to speculate yeah. on what could be next. And for Kevin Vieira, I can tell you, I don't think a title fight's next for her. And maybe uh-huh. that's a given to a lot of people, but she's about to be the number two ranked or number three ranked women's bantamweight in the world. And, you know, truthfully, I just don't see it right now. No, no, I don't at all. I don't think a title fight's next. That just wasn't. A title earning performance regardless of who the opponent was and when there's controversy it doesn't help you um i think she should fight raquel pennington rocky's having a bit of a career resurgence right now she's top four uh and i'd put ketlin up against her because that's a win that holly that's the last time that rocky's loss was holly Holm. ever since then she's tallied off i think four in a row now um and then that's a chance for ketlin to potentially earn her first title fight if she can win that one and make it three in a row and for rocky that's just another kind of chapter in her amazing story another pioneer for women's mma if she can get back to a title i never thought in a million years she could potentially be in that position now for holly holm anything that you might nothing stands out to be honest i'll be curious to see what she wants to do i would have loved to have seen the rematch with misha tate that would make sense right now but misha tate is going down in weight class and gonna be fighting um lauren murphy yeah so We'll see what happens there. 
again, I'm not saying Holly should retire tomorrow. I'm just saying, can we stop treating her like she's still an elite women's fighter? I think that that time's kind of passed now. And that has to happen, right? It has to happen. And, and I mean, and I'm not saying it wasn't deserved before. Like there was a, there's been complaints about Holly Holm in main events for years. But if you really look at her run, she's seven and six in the UFC now. Before this fight with Ketlin Vieira, here's her UFC losses: it's Misha Tate, yep, Valentina Shevchenko, um, Amanda Cyborg, Jermaine Durandamy. Amanda Nunes. Yep. And now... Uh, Ketlin was the first Kellen person Gale. to never be a champion in the UFC that yeah. has beaten Holly. Yeah, I mean, she literally only lost to the best of the best before yeah. that. So, she still has a place in the sport, but, like, in the main event... No, no, no. Like, just... Please. She's had her day in the sun. Let's move on from that. And uh, still a big name, obviously... Now, I'll actually be interested to see, Dominic, now that women's boxing is being given such a, a platform, you know, the Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano fight that headlined Madison mm-hmm. Square Garden, I'd be interested to see if Holly Holm, she talked a little bit this week about having some interest in going and boxing again. And that would actually make sense. Out of all the MMA fighters that want to go box, she would be the one yeah. that makes the most sense because she had a whole career in boxing before MMA. Yeah. And um, I'd be interested to see if she might try to go back there and try to get a big fight with a name like Katie Taylor or something um, before her career is done. I agree, man. More on this card to come. And we're going to talk about the main event from Eagle FC 47. It doesn't get a whole lot better here because your main event event saw uh, Jorgen DeCastro ends up getting the TKO. That's a technically, <laughs> yeah, in my in my opinion, uh, over Junior Dos Santos. Thirty five seconds into round three, story here. JDS looked fantastic for two rounds. Um, he was he was moving good. He was sticking and moving. He he looked really good. I mean, just good good popping the punches. He had good movement on the feet. He took a couple big shots, which was promising. And then in round three, his shoulder dislocates, fight over. Mm. That's all there is to it. Shoulder dislocated. Yeah. It wasn't I think it was uh he was blocking a punch, I think, and it kind of um I'm not sure. I didn't really pay attention to the replay on that, but I the way I think it kinda of happened was Jorgen tried to throw a punch and like I think JDS blocked it with his fist, but it like pushed his arm right. back and I think and then... that's yeah, it just just dislocated like that. So ultimately, it's the biggest win of Jorgen DeCastro's career, Dom. Yeah, but not a ton to take away on his end. I don't exactly. think. Exactly. Outside of actually, let's talk about the celebration. Um, yeah. What were your thoughts on him on his celebration after the fight? I mean, come on, Let, let's chill out. Let's dial it down a little bit. You were losing the fight pretty handedly. Your opponent pops his shoulder out of place. I mean, yeah, maybe you threw the punch where he was blocking, and that's when his shoulder popped out. But I mean, come on, it's not like you put him in a kimura and snapped his arm out of place or anything. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's a big win for him. But when these happen, it doesn't feel like a win. Like just like even last week, like we saw another injury in the UFC main event when Alexander Rakic tore his ACL. Like. It, but that fight, at least Blovich was winning around. I mean, that was a good round or a good fight, one to one, and then it happened. This one, 
there's like you said, there's no real positive takeaways for Jorgen. So listen, I mean, you're getting your money. You won the fight against JDS. That's all good and great, but we don't need to, you know, rub it in, dare I say. Yeah, I mean, I, I part of me wants to say it was just the heat of the moment. Of I course, mean, it probably was. But at the same time, like, I mean, he was going crazy. I, he looked like he was about to work the fence. <laughs> and I'm like, really, dude? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, some, were, some were comparing it to Chris Weidman when Silva snapped his leg. Your thoughts uh, on that? Um, no comment. No comment yeah. on that one. Anyways, the JDS here. So he does lose, but... <laughs> You know, looked great for the majority of the fight. Um, man, I guess this will kind of combine our discussion with this and part of our next topic. But the big talking point that we didn't really get to address on Thursday, but kind of happened on Thursday. Yeah, we had already recorded. Uh, Habib made it clear that it's not a title fight that he's hoping to put JDS in next. It's actually a fight perhaps co-promoted with Bellator against Fedor Emelianenko. So, Dominic, even though he loses here, do you think that's the fight that happens next? Absolutely. I think he deserves it. Hopefully they pop that sucker back in last night and he'll be good to go in a couple of months. Uh, I think that'd be great. Scott Coker even uh, tweeted uh, in regards to him and Habib talking. He's like, let's do it. Let's get ready to co-promote or whatever he says. Uh, I think that fight will happen. I think it's a big fight. I think it's one that makes sense. Both guys tail ends of their careers. There's no titles in sight for major organizations, right? I mean, yeah, they Fedor could potentially win Bellator again if he tries. Um, JDS could win an Eagle, but them two together, you guys that have never done it before, but Big names for the heavyweight division for so many years. Absolutely all hands on deck for that fight. Yeah, and it sounds like it could really legitimately happen when you look at the fact that Bellator had one of their top-ranked lightweights or welterweights. Islam Mamadov was on this card. That dude's a stud, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, well, he he had just lost in that pretty disappointing showing to Benson Henderson. And Bellator, Mm. here he gets a shot on here. Makes quick work of Zach Zane, I think, was his opponent. Mm-hmm. And um, now he's going to go back to Bellator. So it's kind of cool that Bellator and Eagle having that kind of relationship. Um, yeah. I hope that fight happens. I want it for JDS and for Fedor. I think that's a massive just... When it comes to, like, old man fights and, like, you know, legacy fights, that feels like a big one. Yes, very feels much. like a proper one. Earned, you know. Yes, yes. So... I have no doubt that I want to see that. I think the biggest loser from all this, it's not Jorgen DeCastro, it's not JDS for actually losing the fight. It's our Eagle UFC champion because um, (laughs) he he has not been a focus at all in any of this. I mean, Jorgen DeCastro won this fight, but he was calling to take the place and fight. Now he wants to fight Fedor. He said, well, I won the fight, so I should get to fight Fedor. Yeah, I'm sure Habib's going to get right on that, buddy. Jorgen DeCastro (laughs) versus Fedor Millionaire. Yeah. Uh, so our, it sounds like the prize here is Fedor not actually fighting for the heavyweight title. So um, I'm not even sure who the heavyweight champion is off the top of my head. So if that tells you anything. But, um, yeah, I guess he's kind of getting shafted here. Yeah, that's a stinker. <laughs> yeah. More on this card to come later as well. But we did kind of mention that uh, it transitioned into our next topic, and that's about Habib. We've had some very interesting comments throughout the weekend and late last week. Um, he started, of course, with, not started with, but actually ended, I guess, his week 
with the uh, hopes to make Fedor versus JDS happen with Bellator, but also Dominic, what started as an appearance on the MMA Hour by Tony Ferguson, where he said that he was open or wanting to coach a season of the Ultimate Fighter versus Habib Nurmagomedov. No fight to take place, really, just coach a season against each other. Habib tweets in complete support of this, says, have your boss send me a contract. Uh, Also kind of throws in, like, Tony, you know we're doing some stuff over here, too. (laughs) Yeah. When I come over here. Uh, But I'm I'm curious, Dominic, because you're still, like, the only person in the world who watches The Ultimate Fighter. So um, I'm curious your thoughts on this as a tough fanboy uh, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really laying it on thick here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just you're kidding. good. Uh, would, would this, would, is this something you would be in support of, or is it not as frugal as maybe it might appear to some people at first? Yeah. I mean, we're about six years removed from when this could have really been a big thing. So while it'd be cool to guys that, yeah, we still won't see them fight, but we'll see them compete against each other and coaching and whatnot and you know it's just two guys that have the ultimate respect from so many fighters and so many people in the community it would be cool to see but again like tough just doesn't pull viewers so even if these two were the coaches i still don't think there'd be much of an audience maybe there would be maybe the ufc would promote really? it a shit ton more wow. um but yeah like this season to be truthful i haven't watched an episode actually of this season yet no oh. because that's how poorly it's been promoted like yeah. I, I forgot it was – we talked about it leading into that week that it started. Then I forgot about it, and there was, like, no – they do, like, one tweet, episode three's live, and that's it. So I'm like, are they – maybe they're, like, kind of seeing the end for the Ultimate Fighter. That's what it feels like to me now. But if there's anything that Tony and Habib can do together, I think it'd be cool. I don't know. Every interview Dana does, he says it's, like, the biggest thing going. Yeah. They're – and I, man, I have a lot. Everything you said there has kind of got my brain in a in a Tizzy. pretzel <laughs> because I don't know if I agree with the word you just said. <laughs> um, you're telling me you don't think Habib and Tony would do views as a as well. A I mean, yeah, it would be views, but like it's tough, like the way to do it. I feel like there's something else they could do that would be better. I don't know. Uh, what do Maybe you just mean? the way that something tough... that they where they can be against each other, but not end up actually fighting. It's like, the only thing they would That's literally... the only thing they could do. They would literally the no, but like they would literally pull more views doing a one hour video on YouTube than doing a season of the Ultimate Fighter, in my opinion. A one hour video, what? I, it, do a coaching challenge or something. I don't know. I just don't think tough's the way to go. Like. Mm-hmm. I think that's eight years in the past. <laughs> I don't under I don't understand. I I think okay. Truthfully, I mean, tough is done. It's done. It, it's ran its course. It's it's over. I mean, it's still going to keep going, but it, it's done. If you wanted, if they really cared about having a big boost to the viewership, yeah, you had that moment where Jorge Colby was like talked about. This would definitely be a fight that would do big numbers for tough i mean you can't tell me that habib tony would not spike the viewership more than what is currently going on with amanda juliana or ortega volkanovsky and it, it like it's the only way you can get these two like 
you're not going to get a fight out of it. I mean, I know there's still some people that think Habib might have one fight left or something. And maybe he does, but it's not going to be Tony. Tony's on that four-fight skid. Yeah. But, like, I'm going to keep coming after you here on that point. Like, that is the only thing that you can do to put those two together in a UFC environment, head-to-head, and they not throw a single punch at one another. Like, this one-hour video, that doesn't make any sense, Tom. No, I'm just saying, like, like no one watches tough, so is this really going to, like, revitalize the whole franchise? No, but it it would be big for a season. I mean, it would just pop it for a season, and then it'd go back to being what it is. But, what it is, yeah. Um, it would definitely – I don't know how much it would boost viewership, I mean, truthfully. I mean, I think it would boost it. And if there's amount. no fight involved, that I think that hurts. Well, that's the debate too. I thought we were going to have before you kind of put my brain in a pretzel. But So let's go to focus on that. Like, Because I guess I'm, – I'm assuming that you're not going to be in support of it if there's no fight to be had. But I would argue that – most of the time, the fight doesn't end up happening, anyways, and usually it's for less valuable matchups. I mean, yeah, wasn't there a season where like Shane Carwin and Roy Nelson coached against each other and they didn't end up fighting? <laughs> Something like that. It's like, okay, well, I'm glad that we got to see that season, but they didn't end up fighting, so so worth it, right? I think yeah. it just really like is the. Does the fight really add anything to the season of tough? Like, does it really? I mean, I guess with Ortega Volkanovski, that might have added a little bit last season. But like, to me, it's you either do a high-profile matchup that has a lot of heat behind it, and you're going to get a fight out of it, mm-hmm. which is what they did. I mean, Ortega again. I'm, these aren't the matchups that are going to save it. I mean, Nunes and Pena technically is kind of like that, but it's. They're not the best trash talker, you know, all that jazz. Yeah. Or you do a just big, like, honestly, I feel like this could, this could be a way to actually maybe, probably not, but I think there's a way you could keep tough around with this kind of concept. You could bring back retired fighters as coaches and that way they have, they get paid they get something that they could do. I mean, imagine like if Anderson Silva wants to take a break from boxing and him coach opposite uh, Chael Sonnen right. in the season of The Ultimate Fighter. You're telling me you wouldn't be watching that live? Oh, you know I'd be watching that. Like, to me, that's like the guys you never thought you'd see back in a UFC environment could be back. Now, the whole reason that Tuff ends up not really working is more just the, the lack of talent, I guess, really on these shows now because – the real talent is argued to, arguably going to be put on the contender series. And yeah. some would say the real talent's not even going to go to the contender series. They're just going to be brought in without having to do all that anyways. Yeah. So I definitely wouldn't mind seeing it. I mean, I don't, would I watch it? Yes, I would. That's the question. And am I watching tough now? No. So that's like kind of why. Yeah. I guess, but I'm not sure. I'd be curious to know what you guys think. If if that's something that uh, the fans would want to see, would it make you watch tough if you're not watching it? Would it make you not watch it if you are? Like, I'm just kind of curious what people think about that. Because, I mean, Dominic's over here telling me that, like, it's the worst idea ever. So, no, it's not that bad. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, Anything else on, on this, Dom? No, I actually 
I will just say your idea. You should maybe pitch that. Send an email to the UFC though about the retired fighters bringing them back. I just thought of that when they were talking about Habib and Tony. I'm like, you know, the fight. Like, don't get me wrong. I think when it when Tough was really at its best, seeing the fights go down at the end was kind of a big part of that. Like Randy and Chuck, right? Season one. But then, like season two, I think was it was uh, Matt Hughes and Rich Franklin, and they didn't fight. Yeah, and we've said a lot too that really at the end of the day, the show should be focused more on the fighters that are competing. It's just yeah. when you have big name people, it's hard to kind of. Oh, it's. I mean, twist. We can say that all we want, but the seasons that are the most interesting to watch, exactly. are like when Connor came came and did it against Uriah Faber, all the yeah. shine was on Connor, none yeah. of it on the new fighters. Right. Right. And I mean that's a shame, but also like it's real. They're doing reality TV. That's what you're going to get. That's why we just acknowledge that it's the concept has evolved. Contender series is now it's the way to go. It's the way to go. Comes right. back at the end of July, by the way. Yes. Yeah, I mean, but there is a discussion to be had on if that's even bringing in real, you know, <laughs> talent. You know, what I mean, which right. we'll talk about. Uh, shameless plug. Uh, not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday, we'll have a new. Uh, we're going to say Reddit Roundtable for now, but it's going to be rebranded, called something new. TBD. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll plug that at the end of the episode, too. But anyways, um, fight announcements. That's what's next, Tom. July 2nd, UFC 276, the card that just keeps on keeping on. Uh, we- Shane Burgos taking on Charles Air Jordan. A fight that just says violence. Yeah, that's all it is. This is this is fantastic. Kind of like poor guy Burgos has been fighting guys that are unranked, uh, you know, with Billy Q and now Charles Jordan. But damn, they're they're perfect matchmaking in terms of styles. Uh, this guy, this is going to be violent. You know, Jordan obviously looking to finally crack into the rankings. A guy that was really wavered, but is starting to really put it together lately and Burgos is still one of the most fun guys in all of the UFC to watch one of the most underrated fun guys in the UFC to watch honestly I don't feel he gets the respect he deserves Mm -hmm. he's a great talent that's a fantastic fight he has my respect Charles I've been speaking that language all right second one we got our main event for UFC 277 July 30th it will be the rematch the (laughs) the conclusion of this season of The Ultimate Fighter, Juliana Pena will defend her women's bantamweight title against the woman she took it from, Amanda Nunes. The mm. fight that shocked me, that shocked the world, has left me in a pretzel ever since. Ever since. A lot of pretzels in Noah's a lot brain of pretzels today. In brain. <laughs> um, Dominic, your thoughts on this being the main event and just this fight overall? I was surprised to see it was the main event, but then I guess I shouldn't be like, too surprised because Dana's big on this. He even said it could be like one of the biggest uh, women's MMA fights in the history of the sport. Obviously, Juliana had one of the biggest upsets in the history of the sport when she took the belt from Amanda. It still, it was, still feels weird even saying that. Uh, but good on them. This is in Dallas, by the way. It's that second pay-per-view uh, of the month in July. So it's good. The, uh, underneath of that is the interim fight between Kai Car France, Brandon Moreno. So it's going to be a good card. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with them being the main event. If anything, hopefully it's just another fun fight, and that's all that matters. It's very loaded underneath the two yeah. title fights. But, Dominic, you can acknowledge if you just don't really care about this, this fight all that much. I mean, Oh, it's a I, big fight. 
Well, because you're like, oh, all that matters is if the fight delivers. But I mean, it's a title fight. Like, it should have some sort of attraction to it, right? Like, it's... Right. You know, I think it's a step up from, like, the last time we had a women's fight headline was 250. That was Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer. Yeah. I think this is a step up from that. Because there's a story, actually, to it. Amanda looking like a shell of herself, getting kind of dominated by Juliana Pena. Uh, one of the most shocking results in UFC history. Now she's coming back for her title. I, the Ultimate Fighter stuff, like, who cares? Like, it's, it, I'm not sure if that's really going to add anything to this fight. But yeah. you can tell that the UFC is at least interested in trying to give it as much shine, as much promotion as possible. Because whether we like it or not, you know, Amanda Nunes is one of the best to ever do it. But she, her main eventing uh, cards just don't sell the best. Right, so, right. Um, you do have a really, I think, a real banger of a fight underneath it in Marino Kai. But I also think that that fight's not going to get a ton of love going, like, by the casual viewers. Right. So, um, the rest of the card, though, is really stacked, too. I mean, yeah, it's a good card. Yeah, a lot of great Derek Lewis is on the card. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Derek back in Texas, man. Yep. I mean, Please, please. Can he win one in Texas? That's the thing. <laughs> please, Derek. Not, not again. Not yeah. again. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be really fun. Uh, this main event, it's fine. I'm, I'm happy with it. But uh, that's going to wrap it up for the fight announcements. Let's get on to the rest, Dom. We're going to actually go back to Eagle FC 47 first. Let's talk about that co-main event. Ends in a no contest. Tiago Silva versus Hector Lombard. Uh Fight was looking pretty good for the first round and a half, two rounds that we saw. Uh, both guys getting dropped. Uh, Silva getting dropped in round one, nearly getting finished. He comes back and drops Hector Lombard in round two. But Dominic, after he drops him, he throws an illegal knee right at his dome mm. uh, while he's still down. And uh, Hector unable to continue. Fight becomes a no contest. Kind of a limp dick ending. Yeah, it sucks, especially when you look at what happened in the main event. That's a terrible way to end a card. At least the fun, the fight was fun for what it's worth going in. It's like a participation trophy there that I just gave out. But, you know, going in on Thursday when we previewed it, we're like, this is a bit of a weird fight, you know. Uh, two guys haven't won in years, haven't fought in years. Here they are. But they scrapped. They fought hard there, as you said, two knockdowns. So it was fun for these older guys to get in there and scrap. Uh, but to end in a new contest, it's just like, ah, oh, well, we tried. It failed. Let's move on. You know? They were talking, you know, Henry's in there talking to him after, and he's talking about rematches. And, yeah. You know, like, I don't know. It's like, can we just move on? <laughs> right. Exactly. Also on this card, though, Don, we had multiple first minute, actually two main card 30-second knockout finishes, but the one that matters is Mackie Patolo, Coconut Bombs. Coconuts. Landed a coconut weight. bomb. He did miss weight. Oh, pissed. Did he really? Him, yeah, so him and his opponent, Doug Usher. I see you read our tweets because I did put this one there, but whatever. Um, they actually both missed weight. Oh, well, that's quite so the story. Mackie, Mackie missed by, I think, a pound and a half. Doug Usher missed by, like, three pounds. Oh. Um, I made the mistake of tweeting because I was trying to get a tweet out before the fight started, and I was doing it. I was scrambling to get it done. 
because I had heard they both missed weight, and I was like, oh, Mackey's fighting at 185 pounds. I was like, in the UFC, he fought at 170. Yeah. So I tweet that out, completely wrong. He literally fought on the Contender Series at 170, never fought in the UFC at anything other than 185 pounds. So um, I was wrong, but this fight, not much to it. Mackey Patolo lands the coconut bombs and it's over. Yeah, exactly, man. What more can you and say? He made he made Doug Usher retire. Actually, Doug Usher retired afterwards. Damn, what what? Well, lots of storylines coming out of Eagle FC. I do hope though that Mackie can really make a run over there, man. I'd love to see him just. But got to make weight, obviously. But to see him just somewhat succeed after the, you know, run that he had in the UFC would be nice. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, he's a fun fighter, man. I think. Yeah. Could, I mean, thirty second knockout here. We'll see if as he gets escalated to tougher competition what's in store for him exactly back to the ufc we go the world's most famous arena the apex as ariel <laughs> calls it now our co-main event saw michelle pajara get a split Shoot. decision over santiago ponzanibi those are for or one of three split decisions on the night we had a split decision in the main event the co-main event and like earlier the first fight of the main card um, here, Michelle Pajara, Santiago Ponzinibbio. This split decision actually went in my favor for my bet. I had a Pajara money line, so I was pretty happy about that. But, Dominic, did you agree with the judges' scorecards? Yes, I scored one and three uh, for Pajara, round two for Santiago Ponzinibbio. Man, these guys just gave it their all. I mean, that, that was a fucking phenomenal fight. Two guys that really were fighting for their place in that top 15 and it felt like it man Ponsonibio is always in fun fights especially in his latter his little bit of a comeback here four fights that he's had uh and Michelle Pajara that's five in a row we have to acknowledge it man five straight wins for this guy one time he was doing backflips running out of gas looking like eh, well he'll be a fun fighter but nothing ever much more than that now he's going to be a top 15 fight by fight he's toned it in he's became more calm composed but man when he throws he's dangerous and carries power so 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 many great things happened in that fight and good on Pajara to now be top 15 yeah I mean at one point in time this guy was losing to Tristan Connolly by running out of gas from doing all this crazy flips and stuff yep then he loses a fight he dominates against Diego Sanchez because Diego (laughs) Forgot about that he one. It lands an illegal knee, I think, when Diego's yep. down. Diego, look, I'm not saying he couldn't continue. I mean, I know Diego's a tough son of a bitch, but the dude, he asked the ref, he's like, if I don't continue, is it a DQ win? And the ref yeah. said yes. So then he says, I can't continue. I just thought, I always thought that was funny. But um, yeah, basically, Michelle Perez went from that where he was kind of a meme. Like, he was kind of a meme fighter. Yep, yep. Now he's legit. Like, he's shown to be legit. He's only 28 years old, which is still, like, <laughs> the most shocking thing in the world to me. Yeah. He's absolutely massive. I mean, that was the biggest difference here, Dom. The, the, the difference was that Pajara was able to keep Ponzinibbio uncomfortable long enough to build up a lead, and then he was able to maintain that lead, even though he did start to slow down a little bit, but... The damage he had put onto Ponzinibbio slowed him down, too. Yep. And that's why in round three, it kind of technique went out the window for both guys. They were just throwing hams at each other for the last couple minutes. But that's kind of how I thought this fight might go. I said, I know Pajara when he's on his bike, and if you can, you know, 
really make him work if you're mm-hmm. throwing a lot of takedown attempts at him and stuff, make him sprawl a bunch. He can run out of gas. Yep. But I said if he can put enough damage on Ponzinibbio, Ponzinibbio is going to slow down as well, and that's exactly what happened here. I mean, it was an awesome fight. Um, I think both guys come out looking good, but again, for Ponzinibbio, I think we just have to kind of accept that he he's a very fun fighter. But I don't. I just think that the Ponzin the Ponzinibbio that beat the shit out of Neil Magny I in know, Argentina, man. he's gone. Uh, and it's such a shame to lose your prime is, years like is. that. Not enough people acknowledge that either. I know. Because, uh, you know, I, not that I want to dwell on it. This guy's a legitimate threat, though. Man. I think it's like, honestly miraculous that he's even as good oh, as yeah. he is. Oh, yeah. I mean, this guy nearly lost his life over these health issues he had. Yeah. To be, to be back and even be a top 15 level guy is uh, Amazing. quite miraculous. It's just a shame because we really thought he... I mean, he really could have been, you know, a champion, yes. perhaps. And, yes. Um, for Michelle, again, I don't know how far he can take this, how much higher he can go. He's going to be ranked now. But I'm willing to find out. Mm. Now, I do think uh, Brett Okamoto tweeted about him versus Randy Brown. Randy Brown coming off a win over Chaos Williams, who Michelle also has a win over. I wouldn't hate it. Wouldn't hate it at all. That would be so um, fun. So, give me that fight. But next up, Dom, Chidi, bang, bang, and Joe Kawani gets the first-round knockout with the elbow off the clinch mm. against Sid from Toy Story, Dusko Todorovic. Excuse me. I had a stroke right there. Um, your thoughts on Chidi, man? That's two first-round finishes and two UFC fights. This is a guy who is in his 30s when he's making his debut in the UFC, but he has had – a run before this. I mean, he, he's been with Bellator for a long time, main evented multiple Bellator shows. Feels like he's kind of here, right place, right time. Yeah, to me, it feels like a similar kind of career path as our, our guy Chris Curtis, shout out to Ohio, you know, yeah. kind of deal. And he's been in fun fights so far in the UFC. One was a 16-second knockout, made a quick turnaround and knocks out Dusko. Uh, it, this guy's going to be in fun fights and, that, that says a lot in the UFC. That can carry you quite a ways. But there is legit potential here for Njokawani. Just being 33, again, similar to Chris Curtis in terms of the age, too. You don't have a ton of time, but you've got enough time. So I want to yeah. see what can happen with him. Yeah, the the newcomer of the year race is heating up, I would yes. say, for the Joey's. I have like seven names on my <laughs> list right now. And one of them is our next guy, Jailton Almeida. Oh, my who, goodness. Gets the first round submission over Parker Porter. Now, Jelton Almeida, more known as a light heavyweight, he took this fight at heavyweight, was in about the 220s weight wise, 40 pounds less than his opponent. And Dominic, it did not look it at all. I mean, able to, people weren't sure how would his power and his strength translate against a bigger opponent. I mean, he literally, he, he angle slammed yeah. Parker Porter like he was nothing. It yeah. was uh, phenomenal to watch and put away the big man. Yeah, um, so while this fight was at heavyweight, Jalton is a light heavyweight. And, man, does it feel good to have a legit, fresh, new prospect enter the 205-pound division. I can't wait to see the things that this guy's done. He's got 16 wins. They're all via finish. He's won 11 straight of them. Uh, Noah pointed out he hasn't even been hit through two fights in the UFC thus far. So, Hamzad, he's coming to chase your record that you had. This guy, 
very, very electric. And I'm pretty sure on his contender series fight, he was only hit twice. So, take with that what you will. I mean, you 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 all saw the stats when Hamza was making his fight, yep. taking like the I think even going into the fight with before Gilbert, Gilbert Burns, <laughs> yeah. he was yeah. like in three fights he had basically been hit zero times. And yeah, Jailton Almeida, very similar, very similar. So oh, goodness. Interested to see another guy that I really like from the contender series making a big bounce back here. Euros Medich had a well. This was a contender series versus contender series. The crime, yeah. crime on crime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Medich gets the TK over Omar Morales round two. Uh, fun scrap this one. Omar Morales is very he is good. I like Omar Morales as well, but uh, Morales just a little too content I think to stay on the feet yeah. with Medich in this one. And uh, once Euros found found the shot, he would, once he wobbled at one time, he did not hesitate to go in for the finish, and, and he got it. Yeah, exactly. That's all it took, man. You know, we saw him struggle, but he lost against Jalen Turner. You know what I mean? And you look at what he's doing now, but now Euros bounces back, gets this win. He has a 100% finish rate, and he, he didn't rush or force anything, and that's what I like most about this performance, and still was able to get the stoppage. Couple more here, low on the prelims, but we got to give some respect to Jonathan Martinez. I think, Dom. Dude, I mean, this guy flawless leg performance. Mm. His leg kicking arsenal is just fantastic, and he looked great here against Vince Morales. I've bet against Jonathan Martinez, technically, not really. Like the bet wasn't against him, but in my head, it was. I thought yeah. he was going to lose. Right. Um, but. Jonathan Martinez, I think that's three wins in a row for him, and he's doing it all in a very similar fashion. He 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 is a he is very patient. I saw they yeah. say this, they said this on the broadcast because I kept saying he has a safe style, and I'm like, what does that mean? There's no such thing as safe. It's the UFC. You're you're, yeah. you're fucking MMA. You're yeah, not safe. Yeah, he's patient. He 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 will not force openings to happen. He won't. He doesn't take a lot of risk. He really lets things come to him. But he's good, man. Yes. And maybe because he doesn't take a lot of risk and because he's kind of that safe, as I'm calling him, fighter, maybe that will make his ceiling not as high as some other guys who are willing to, to go there and willing to take it there. But um, I think he's really good. We're, yes. I think he, he's deserving of higher-level competition at this point. Hundred percent. And lastly, shout out to Dominic for this bet. We'll talk Woo! about that that part of it a little later. But Chase Hooper showing a bit of involvement in the game gets the third round TKO. Yeah. Over Felipe Colares. I'm sure Chase Hooper's submission betters were pissed. Because Hooper dominated most of this fight. It was I mean the grappling transitions oh. were Woo. were so much fun to watch, but it seemed like Chase Hooper was just doing circles around this guy for the most part. Oh, man. I mean, what a performance by Chase. He took that year-long layoff. I was so intrigued to see how he would look. And while we didn't see much in the stand-up, he looked at least a little bit more comfortable. Not that it was against, like, some elite striker. So I still need to see him tested there. But when he's on the ground, holy shit. This guy is transitioning and what he can do, the way he bends his body. Um, he's so long and lanky. He can get his legs up into insane positions. He's very flexible. And he's just so intelligent, so smart. He doesn't force anything. He doesn't put himself in danger when he's down there. Because this was against Felipe uh, 
Clo- Co- I can't Co- say his last Co- name. Colares. Co- there we go. I try and put the L in front of the O. You get what I'm saying? Anyway, Colares is also another jujitsu ace and black belt, and he made it look like he was levels above him on the ground. So it was a good bounce back for uh, Chase, 22 years old. I'm still high on this kid and want to see what he can do. Yeah, I mean, he's still like the fourth youngest fighter in yeah. the entire UFC. So, I, again, I don't think he's got like a super high ceiling quite yet. I mean, you might think he's a little bit better than I do. But, um, again, he's so young that like, how's this going to go, right? Like, Yeah. If he, if, like, he's 22. <laughs> yeah. So, where's this career going to go? I mean, it's the 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 when you really think about it dominic like when you get that much of a head start and how he appears to have uh, solved a few of his holes in his game like i mean what kind of run could be in him like he could yeah. really be like a charles Oliveira type that just yeah. like all of a sudden puts a, a lot of things together when he's 30 years old and eight yep. years you know it's just very interesting to see how things are going to play out for him as he starts to fill out and actually physically mature into his body even it's, it's yeah very interesting exactly uh, that's going to wrap it up for the rest we'll transition into the results from our below average bet slip and below average it sure was yeah yeah, yeah. Week. here we go oh man okay so for for the week we went minus 1.79 units that puts us at plus 5.27 for the year. Uh, 0-3 on parlays. That's where it really did us because we went 4-2 and two on singles. Uh, one of those parlays, of course, mine being two units. Holly Holm losing that split decision completely flipped the night because if yep. she wins that decision, oh, man. those parlays are green and, yeah. and not red as they are now. Your thoughts, Dominic? Yeah, um, it's unfortunate. We've been doing performing well in singles too, for what it's worth, and it showed again here. We're making smart bets. We're you know Noah dabbled with his unit sizes, and it paid off for the Euros Medich uh, win there. So you know the singles aren't the problem, and you know for me personally, results this year I've struggled the worst with the parlays. You know, and I just need to, you know we have a week off thankfully to just kind of keep digging, keep doing stats and. Well, what do we feel most comfortable with? So I'll be happy to bounce back and come in uh, betting fresh for the uh, Volkov versus Rosenstreich card on June 4th and whatever else happens during that month. But, yeah, it's just parlays. They're hard, right? That's why there's always big odds on them. You just got to reevaluate, see where we're doing strong. But I still feel confident in our singles. We just got to keep fighting and digging out of the hole. Sure. Um, I do think there's an elephant in the room that needs to be addressed as well. <sighs> okay, I'm going to try to say this without yelling. Okay. <laughs> you look like you're. You look like the the kid in class who's whose cards on like you know, yellow. Step, yeah, you're on yellow, and I'm about to flip you to red. Right. Okay. Dominic did it again, people. Eh. Um, no, you did. Yeah, you did. Mm. If you don't, if the fact that you're not about to take responsibility for it either, just means that you're not going to learn from it. And it's like, that's that's such a shame. When we went to Columbus, what was the fight in question, Dom? Oh, Matthias Nicolau and nope, nope that's not no, that not that it one. The, it was the first fight of the night, but it's okay. I don't. Me and Dominic could both put a unit. 
on an individual in the first fight. Fight takes place. Pretty close fight. But in both of our heads, we both feel pretty confident two to one for our guy. Yep. Dominic, before the scorecards get read, goes, I think, or no, with 30 seconds left in the third round, he says, I think we got this one, brother. Yeah, we're about to cash. Yeah, that's what I said. And I was like, why did you just say that? Because as I wrote on here to remember the word, because I keep forgetting it, betting etiquette is a massive part of this game. Mm -hmm. And you do not jinx a bet. Like that, that is just, a, especially for some, a bet that's not, it doesn't just affect you, it affects someone else. You don't do that. So he, we, of course, lose the decision. Yeah. And um, not too happy with them. But I'm like, you know what? Me and Dom are still new to this game, this sports betting game. I just am lucky that I, even before we started doing this, I've been like watching a lot of betting content for years and stuff. So, I had a head start on knowing the betting etiquette side of things. So I told him, I said, just don't do that again. You know, just don't. So then last night, um, the fight's over between Holly Holm and Kellen Vera. And Dominic sends the following two text messages before the scorecards get read. Should be a minimum 3-2 Holly. I scored it 4-1 with round four being the toss-up round. And all I sent back was Dom. Because I couldn't believe he did it again. He literally sends that again. He did it again. And, of course, the scorecards get read off. Kellen Vieira gets the nod. So then I sent you, son of a bitch. Because he did it again. So, Dominic, I want to know what you have to say for yourself. Because it remains clear that you are failing on the betting etiquette side of things here well i didn't say we cashed the bet and i didn't say holly won the fight so i think i'm good but you didn't say that in columbus either but it was very apparent well, i said that we're about to cash that's not columbus. what you said though but that's okay i'm just Pretty saying sure it is i'm telling you that i think you need to take uh some sort of action here to improve your betting etiquette because right now it's at a zero it's an f you have no betting etiquette fair notes have been taken that's all i, I got believe, i don't believe i don't believe him if this is the last time we do this segment just know that it's dominic's fault because he can't keep his mouth shut when fights are very close and we, i gotta give my scores I mean, of course, of course, he always chooses the ones that I have more stake on. I had two units on this, and and of course, he he opens his, his he opens his big old mouth before his scorecards get read off. Yes, Dominic. Like I asked you in the coming event, I said, "Who do you think won that?" Because I was the only one that had a bet on it. I didn't put my scorecard out there because I know it's bad luck. It, I mean, you are just playing with fire. Each time it involves a bet that I also have, and we keep getting burned. And then you want to, and you want to, okay, like, of course, after that, I'm very upset. So, of course, my response was like, we were doomed the moment Dom text saying we won. So now Dominic keeps focusing on that. He keeps focusing on that part. He's like, well, I didn't say we won. Okay, you didn't, but you made it very clear. You said that it should be minimum 3 2 for Holly. 
you've literally made it clear, like, there is no way Ketlin Vieira should win this fight. And she did. She did. And you, you're not taking responsibility for your actions here. And that could be the nail in the coffin of the below average bed slip as we know it. I, I think this is a needed week off for me to reevaluate <laughs> my etiquette. I will admit, I couldn't be happier that we get a week off <laughs> for that. Re- I'm going to, I just, I want you guys, look, this is just me and Dom talking here. If you guys feel differently, let me know below. Please let me know do. in the comments. If you're in support of Dom, if you think that there is no, am I, is superstitions just a, a bunch of baloney? Oh, no, I'm, I, I believe in it. I do. I do. I, now I know. Listen, okay, here we go. No, I'm taking accountability. I am. Okay. I am. All right. Well, but now, now I know that, like, so in Columbus, I said, we're going to hit this or whatever the wording I said. We're about to cash. I can't do that, obviously. But now I know that even if we have bets on the line, I shouldn't even, like, just let it go. Just let the scorecards be read and then discuss after is what I should have done last night. Yes. There you go. I'm glad that you, uh, I appreciate that you took responsibility there because. I was really concerned for a second. I didn't. No, I got you. I love you, and I want us to get right. rich together. Love, all right, I love you too. I love you too. Yeah, we're we're, we're going to get rich in time, people. It's been a it's been a tough it's been a tough stretch for your boys. I mean, I'm holding week, us down. Last week, right now. No, well, you're still holding us up though in the units uh, because you're still doing much better than me on the 2022 standing. But um, last week, I had a nice bounce back again. Man, if only we just included Bellator on there, which again is my fault as much as it is Dom's. Ah, gosh. Because we would be like plus 15 or something right now. Just such a shame. But of course, if we would have done that, Dom probably wouldn't have hit. So that's probably probably even more superstitions to discuss. This betting shit's a nasty game. (laughs) Really, it it is. It's tearing us apart. I mean, (laughs) I I'm glad I was a, I'm glad that we didn't have to record like right after the show. It may have been I'm, more ugly because I'm not sure. Like I was serious when I texted. Like, I don't know if I can look you in the in the, in the eyes. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. But then I woke up and I was like, okay. I was like, I was still gonna let him have it a little bit. I mean, and I'm, I'm glad I'm you not did. Gonna, but I'm not gonna like, you know, I'm not gonna. Because at, at first change all I the would, passwords. Yeah, I can't log into the podcast yeah. anymore. At first, it would have been like it would have been like the whole episode was just me nasty eye, yeah. And like I, I don't, I, I don't want to make this. This is a safe space for me and Dom. I don't want this yeah. to be a, a spot where one or both of us don't feel like we can talk freely about things. Right. You know. So, right. All right. A lot of takeaways from this, and hopefully, you guys at home have learned something as well. And um, with that, Dominic, we're going to get into closing statements. It almost felt like a closing statement we just had, but it wasn't. So, Dominic, for this Monday edition, as we will let it be known, I know we didn't plug social media in the beginning. Damn it. I had it written on here. I forgot. (laughs) We'll let it be known that since there is no events this weekend, no major MMA going on, no episode on Friday. Right. Or Thursday. Thursday. Me, Thursday. No episode the following Monday, but following Wednesday. We're going back to back next week. So Wednesday, 
Oh, God, it's going to be in June, so I don't know. <laughs> June. Kind of crazy. We'll something. be in June. Holy shit. Let me we're see. coming up on two-year anniversary, Dom. I mean, we're... Yeah, we are nearing, aren't we? It would be Wednesday, June 1st, actually. First day of June. June 1st, okay. So Wednesday, June 1st, we're going to have our first in probably three or four months. Uh, I know, it's been a little I'm bit. I'm going to call it Reddit Roundtable still, but I'm just letting you guys know we're changing the name. Yep. Everything else is still going to be the same. Just kind of uh, the Reddit part, like just... I'm realizing... <laughs> Me and Dominic are not people that have been on Reddit much before we started that. Yeah. And I've realized that Reddit doesn't necessarily have a very positive connotation to yeah. it. When, yeah. So, like, while the wording was cool, Reddit Roundtable rolls off the tongue. Yeah. I think what we're transitioning into is going to be much cooler, much better. Yeah, I think so, too. So, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the name that's going to stick. Maybe I'll just put it out there. Verbal sparring. What do so you guys think? So, let us know if you like the name of the new, still the same Sorry, concept same concept but just a different name let us know if you like the name if you don't i'll try to find something else or me and dom will work together to find something else before that show and then friday uh june 3rd or thursday thursday God, keep fucking it up back to back thursday june 2nd will be back to your normal content um yeah so with that being said dominic closing statements is there anything you have today it can be about MMA. It can be about anything and everything. Man, after last or on after Monday's close or Thursday's closing statements, <laughs> we already talked about the bowling. A lot of contentious moments. In the last yeah, we <laughs> yeah some heated discussions today and brain pretzel twists and betting etiquette lessons. I'm just gonna say I'm gonna get I'm gonna get better on this week mm-hmm. off. I'm gonna get better in life for this podcast for the betting. For my life, I'm going to get better. It's a get right week. Fuck yeah. I'm going to use my closing statement to tell everyone to please go download, listen to, stream American Heartbreak by Zach Bryan. I saw it's you new, posted that on new album, New album out. <laughs> if you don't like country music, then maybe don't. But if you are a country music fan at all, and maybe even if you're not, but if you're someone that just maybe is open to the, the stylings, right? Yeah. Zach Bryan is a guy I've been following pretty much since he started. And this is like his big breakout album here. 34 songs. It's a massive. Whoa. Album. Wow. Yeah. American Heartbreak. Zach Bryan. I mean, that dude just speaks to my soul. And this is going to be the album of the year. I think it's going to be the big, the big breakout. I know Dominic, when he heard me say that, he's probably like, no, it's not. Posty's album is going to be album of the year, but uh, I, it's cool. I just, Both of our guys are releasing within a couple of weeks of each sure. other. It's cool. I didn't realize. Yeah, Post is coming up, so uh, please check out that new album. Highly recommend. I thought it was fantastic. And then hopefully here in two weeks, Dominic will be able to give us uh, tell the same thing about Post's album. So of course, um, yeah. that's it. I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salee. We're the Below Average Joes, and we'll see you in June. In June. Wow, yeah.